Hello and welcome to the Heiress of Slytherin, a Harry Potter podcast. I'm Micaela, your host. Hello everyone, welcome to episode 10. This is actually cool because I'm covering chapter 10 of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone in this episode, and it is the chapter called Halloween. And this is the first episode that I'm releasing in October, so I think it's pretty cool. I start celebrating Halloween in August, that's when spooky season starts for me usually, but still, it's cool that it's October now and this is the first episode of October. And before I get into today's chapter discussion, I just want to give a quick shout out to all my listeners. If you've been listening from the beginning, or even if you've just started listening now, I appreciate it. And thank you to Nilda, who always answers the questions for each chapter so I can give some opinions that aren't my own at the end of the episodes. And I also wanted to remind everybody that I did post my first kind of special slash bonus episode earlier this week about the Secrets of Dumbledore name reveal. And I just wanted to let people know that you can also donate a small contribution so I can continue making content for this podcast through the Anchor link. And you can also leave me a voice message too. You can ask questions there, leave your thoughts, opinions, theories, things like that. And I can also play it on the next episode if you'd like me to. If you want to email me, my email is Podcast at gmail.com. Twitter page is at SlytherinPod. Facebook page is the Slytherin Podcast. And this podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Radio Public, Breaker, and Pocket Casts. And it would mean so much if you would all subscribe, write a review on whichever platform you listen from, and just listen to my episodes and spread the word. Okay, and as always, I'm going to do a brief summary as to what happened in the last chapter. So Harry flew on a broom and he becomes the seeker for the Gryffindor Quidditch team. And he ends up being the youngest player in a whole century. Remember, he's 11 years old right now. And Malfoy challenges Harry to a wizard's duel, but he sets him up with the intention of getting him in trouble, even expelled. And the trio plus Neville, remember the trio is Harry, Ron, and Hermione. They're not technically the trio yet because Hermione isn't friends with them, with Harry and Ron. That's gonna change in this chapter. So the trio plus Neville, they accidentally end up on the forbidden third floor corridor and they see a huge three-headed dog. They don't know it's named Fluffy yet, but it's a dog named Fluffy that belongs to Hagrid. And they have to run out of there and escape before they get killed by this humongous dog, three-headed dog. And Hermione points out that the dog was guarding something. She was the only one that was paying attention to that. And Harry suspects that whatever Hagrid took from Vault 713 at Gringotts that day on his birthday when they went to Diagon Alley is what the dog is guarding. So Malfoy is completely shocked that Harry and Ron were still at Hogwarts. He thought that they were going to be expelled. And Ron and Harry thought that meeting the three-headed dog had been an excellent adventure and they were quite keen to have another one. So this quote right here is very, it reminds me of James and Sirius. Of course, James, James Potter, Harry's dad, and Sirius Black, who was his best friend. Harry doesn't know that Sirius was his dad's best friend until later in his third year. And that he's actually his godfather as well. It's a long story, but we'll be getting into that in, I don't know how many episodes. And... James and Sirius had a reputation for being troublemakers, kind of like Fred and George, 
but maybe a little bit worse, honestly. They were just, they were both Gryffindors, so that probably had a lot to do with it, but they were always kind of trying to push, there was a line. Fred and George rarely crossed the line because they know where it's at. James and Sirius knew where the line was at and repeatedly wanted to cross it. They wanted to push their limits of what they could do and get away with or get in trouble with or whatever it was. So that quote where they were keen, quite keen to have another one, that's exactly something that Sirius and James would say. So Harry and Ron are speculating as to what the object could be. They know it's powerful and dangerous to have been guarded by Fluffy, but they're not really sure what it is. And Hermione isn't speaking to them at all, which is completely fine with them. Remember, they're not friends with her yet at this point, so they don't really care at all that she's not, that she's avoiding them. And one day, so the next day at breakfast, a long, thin package is delivered to Harry, and a letter comes with it from Professor McGonagall. And the package contains his brand new Nimbus 2000. Nimbus 2000 at this point is the fastest broom in the world, and... It is just, Harry, that's, everyone's going to envy him. Everybody wants that broomstick. So that's also an example of how Harry is an exception. Remember, first years aren't allowed to have their own broomsticks. Harry's allowed. McGonagall got this broom for him, probably with his own money, but on his behalf. And it's because he's going to be on the Quidditch team, and that's an exception. There hasn't been a player that young, a first year in a century. So Harry's kind of breaking the rules, but he's allowed to because McGonagall got this broom for him since he's going to be Seeker. And McGonagall is somebody who is extremely passionate about Quidditch because she was a Quidditch player for the Gryffindor Quidditch team in her own youth, and she was really good, and she definitely wants to beat Slytherin. So Harry is going to have his first lesson with Wood, I guess his first practice, you could say, um, with Oliver Wood, the captain of the Gryffindor Quidditch team, that night at the field, Quidditch field at seven, for to kind of learn the basics and things like that. So Malfoy walks up to Harry in the Great Hall, and he seizes the package, and he says that he'll be in for it this time because first years aren't allowed to have brooms. And of course, Ron points out what kind of broom it is—the top-notch, brand new Nimbus 2000. It's like Malfoy, you only have a Comet 260 which was, I guess, a good broom, definitely not as good or cool as this Nimbus 2000. And Malfoy tries to tattletale to Flitwick that Harry has a broomstick, and Flitwick tells him, like, yeah, I already know, this is a special circumstance, and Malfoy is not happy to hear about that. So that night, Harry goes to the Quidditch pitch, and I just want to describe or read what the description of it is from the book. Basically, it's hundreds of seats were raised in stands around the field so that the spectators were high enough to see what was going on. At either end of the field were three golden poles with hoops on the end. They reminded Harry of the little plastic sticks smuggled children blew bubbles through, except that they were 50 feet high. And since Harry gets there a little bit early, he just can't resist doing some flying and it's just an absolutely great feeling for him. And then when Wood does get there, he explains the game to him. So basically Quidditch is there's seven players total, again, seven, a magical number in Harry Potter. This is another example of it. There's three chasers. Chasers throw the quaffle to each other and they try to score with it. That's where they have to hit the quaffle through those hoops that Harry uh, thought looked like the little sticks that muggles blow bubbles through. And you get 10 points for every goal. And on the team, there's also one keeper. On this Gryffindor Quidditch team, Wood is the keeper. 
and he basically flies around the hoop to stop other team the other team from scoring and there's uh two bludgers the second ball and a bat is used to hit it and they're used to knock other players off of brooms and there's two beaters the beaters are the ones who use the bludgers to knock the players off and on the gryffindor quidditch team it is the twins fred and george weasley and then the third ball is a tiny golden snitch and it's just basically fluttering silver wings super fast difficult to see and with that once the seeker which is harry on gryffindor team whichever seeker catches that first ends the game and it automatically gives that team 150 points so a common misconception is that you catch the snitch and you win that's not always the case because if you're far enough behind in points and you catch the snitch you end the game if you're more than 150 points behind that's not going to be very good for your team you're going to lose and you're going to end the game sooner for the other team and this actually happens in the goblet of fire at the quidditch world cup because victor crumb who plays for bulgaria and they're playing against ireland in the quidditch world cup and victor crumb the seeker for bulgaria he catches the snitch his team gets 150 points and it ends the game, but his team still loses because of the score. They were more than 150 points behind. So one thing to kind of note right now about the Golden Snitch is that it has flesh memories. I'll talk about this more in the next episode for chapter 11 for the first Quidditch match. But basically the flesh memory means that whoever touches the snitch first, like the seeker without like gloves on, it has the flesh memory of that seeker. And even the creators of Golden Snitches, they wear special gloves when they're creating them so that it doesn't have a flesh memory of the creator and it'll have a flesh memory of the seeker. So to practice, Wood basically just throws Harry golf balls and Harry doesn't miss any. And Wood is very confident that they're going to win the Quidditch Cup that year. And he even tells Harry, I wouldn't be surprised if you turn out better than Charlie Weasley. And he could have played for England if he hadn't gone off chasing dragons. And I did talk about this a little bit last episode because McGonagall mentioned Charlie Weasley. She said that not even Charlie Weasley could have made that catch when Malfoy threw Neville's remember and Harry caught it when it was just about to hit the ground. So that also shows that Charlie Weasley must have been amazing at Quidditch. Um, he would have been in the professional leagues. And remember, Charlie Weasley is Ron's older brother. Actually, all of his brothers are older. He's the youngest boy. He's only older than Jenny, but Charlie is the second oldest um, son. He's only younger than Bill. So the Weasley family, the oldest is Bill. William is his real name. And then it goes Charlie, and then it's Percy, and then it's Fred and George. I don't remember off the top of my head who's older, Fred or George. It's obviously because they're twins. They're one, one of them is only older by a few minutes. And then it's Ron, and then it's Jenny. So things are getting pretty busy at Hogwarts. The Especially for the first years, they're kind of having to adjust to everything. And Harry is extremely busy, not only with his homework, but he also has three practices per week. So his first two months of, at Hogwarts have flown by. And one of the quotes that I really love is, the castle felt more like home than Privet Drive ever had. Which not only shows how terrible Privet Drive was, with the Dursleys, his actual blood family, but it also shows how 
at home and how comfortable he fits and he he feels at Hogwarts. Like this is his world. His he's a wizard. This is his magical world. He's one of the most famous wizards ever. He's the only one to have ever survived the killing curse. Like Harry is very important. He even saves the whole wizarding world in about six years. So spoiler alert in case you didn't know that. But Harry, I just really like that he's feeling home at Hogwarts. He doesn't always feel that way. We'll find that out in Order of the Phoenix in the fifth book. But at least for now, it's great that he's adjusting and he's, this is amazing. He's in this whole new, brand new magical world and he's able to live it. Like this is, this is his life now. And it is now Halloween morning. So on Halloween morning, they woke up to the delicious smell of baking pumpkin wafting in through the corridors. And they are in Charms class right now. Remember, Charms is taught by Professor Flitwick, who is really great at magic. He is also the head of Ravenclaw House. And in today's Charms lesson, they are about to learn how to make objects fly. Professor Flitwick pairs the students up. He puts Harry with Seamus and Hermione and Ron together, and both Hermione and Ron are angry at that. And everyone is having difficulty with this spell except for Hermione. She keeps telling Ron that he's saying it incorrectly. Uh, remember, the spell is Wingardium Leviosa, and it's a swish and flick. That is the wand movement for the spell. And Ron can get mad about his pronunciation being incorrect, but it's true. Even Prof Professor Flitwick says that pronunciation is very important. Saying the magic words properly is vital because there is a wizard, Barufio, who said S instead of F and found himself on the floor with a buffalo in his chest. So it's assumed that he's not talking about this particular spell, Wingardium Leviosa, because the F and S doesn't really make sense. But... There was a spell that he did say this for, and it ended up being really bad. Remember also in Chamber of Secrets, in the next book, Harry tries to go to Diagon Alley, and he says Diagonelli instead, and he ends up not where he wants to be. So pronunciation is very important. And also, I want to briefly talk about Wizard Barufio, who Flitwick just mentioned about not pronouncing the spell correctly. He, there is actually a potion called Rufio's Brain Elixir, and it was supposedly supposed to increase the drinker's brain power. And according to a British Ministry of Magic herbologist and potioner, uh, her name is Gethsemane Prickle, she claimed that this brain elixir did not actually work at all, and it actually posed a serious health hazard if you brewed it improperly. So Hermione, she it's very likely that she remembered what Flitwick said in this lesson because four years later, Harry and Ron are actually thinking of drinking this brain elixir. And she stops Harry and Ron from doing it because she doesn't think it's wise that drinking this particular wizard's brain elixir is going to help them in their tests. And it's really likely that she remembered it from this lesson about him not pronouncing things correctly. She doesn't really trust the potion either so that is another example of where ron and harry should thank hermione so ron still mad that hermione is being bossy he tells her you do it then if you're so clever and she performs the spell perfectly and professor flitwick is really happy and he's like well everyone see here miss granger's done it he's very happy with how she did the spell and ron is just in a bad mood for the rest of class and afterwards, he calls her a nightmare, uh, and she passes by, and she hears him. 
and Harry notices that she starts crying. And he even tells Ron, I think she heard you. And Ron says, so she must have noticed she's got no friends, even though he did look a bit uncomfortable. And Hermione isn't in their next class, and they don't see her all afternoon, actually. And when they're on their way to the Great Hall for the Halloween feast, Harry actually hears Pavardi Patil tell Lavender Brown that Hermione was crying in a bathroom all afternoon. But as soon as they get to the Great Hall, they stop thinking about Hermione because the Halloween decorations just kind of put her out of their minds. And I wanted to read the description of this. A thousand live bats fluttered from the walls and ceiling while a thousand more swooped over the tables in low black clouds, making the candles and the pumpkins stutter. The feast appeared suddenly on the golden plates as it had at the start of term feast. So the students are just eating their food. Harry's actually helping himself to a baked potato when all of a sudden Quirrell comes sprinting into the Great Hall, Professor Quirrell, and he is absolutely terrified about a troll in a dungeon and then he faints and all of the students like the entire hall just completely starts screaming uproar and Dumbledore has to send firecrackers from his wand to bring silence and he announces to the prefects that they need to bring the houses to their dormitory so of course that means the Gryffindor prefects take the Gryffindors to the common room and same for all the other houses remember Percy is one of the Gryffindor prefects and I think it's so funny that the author says Percy was in his element. <laughs> Remember, Percy is very bossy. He loves order and telling people what to do, strict rules, things like that. So right away, follow me, stick together first years. No need to fear the troll. If you follow my order, stay close behind me. I'm a prefect, make way. That kind of stuff is what he's saying. So Ron, about when he's talking about trolls, he tells Harry they're supposed to be really stupid. So he's not sure how a troll could have got in. And then Harry remembers that Hermione doesn't know about the troll because she was crying all day in the bathroom. So Harry tells Ron that they have to go help her and tell her. So they sneak off and they go to tell her in the bathroom. Remember, he, Harry, over, Harry and Ron both overheard Pavardi telling Lavender that Hermione was crying in a bathroom and she must have mentioned a particular bathroom. So Harry and Ron, they go sneak away to tell her about the troll and kind of get her out of there, I guess. And on their way, they see Snape crossing the corridor, and then he disappears from view. And Harry wonders why he's not in the dungeons with the rest of the teachers, because Dumbledore like was like telling the teachers that they were going to follow him to the dungeons. So Harry's definitely thinking this is suspicious. He's already suspicious of Snape because Snape doesn't like him, but this is definitely making it extra suspicious. And at this point, from... If you're just first time reading, you're not going to know exactly what Snape was doing. But since I'm combining all the knowledge of the whole series and canon, at this point right now, Snape is going to try and stop Quirrell. Snape is suspicious of Quirrell and he's going to go and try to stop him because Quirrell, spoiler alert, is the one who let the troll in because he was using it as a distraction to attempt to go steal the Sorcerer's Stone, which of course Fluffy was guarding. And Snape, suspecting that Quirrell was going to go steal the stone, went to try and stop him, even though Harry doesn't know that at this point. That's what was happening as Snape went off to the third floor corridor. Now, Harry and Ron actually smell the troll before they see it. And I want to read a description from the book. It was a horrible sight. 12 feet tall, its skin was a dull granite gray, its great lumpy body like a boulder with its small bald head perched on top like a coconut. It had short legs, thick as tree trunks, 
The smell coming from it was incredible. It was holding a huge wooden club, which dragged along the floor because its arms were so long. Now a little background on trolls. They are classified by the Ministry of Magic as beasts. They have prodigious strength and immense stupidity. And they're so synonymous with stupidity in the wizarding world that they actually have a exam failing grade named after them in the um, ordinary wizarding levels, which are called OWLs in the fifth year at Hogwarts. All students have to take them. If you fail, your grade is T for troll. That's how stupid trolls are. So Harry and Ron see the troll and it actually heads into a doorway where the key is in the lock and Harry locks the door. And I think it's so weird. I don't know if I'm the only one that thinks this. Like, why is there a key in the door? I don't know. It's kind of weird. Maybe it's Hogwarts, magic stuff. There's kind of crazy weird stuff all over. But I just think that particular detail is just odd. So Harry does lock the door. And him and Ron are excited. They consider this a victory. But then they realize that Hermione was in there. And they didn't realize because all of a sudden they heard her scream because she had no idea that a troll was in the castle because she was in the bathroom when it was announced. And all of a sudden, this ginormous 12-foot troll is coming into the bathroom. And she's a muggle-born. That would scare even a wizard, a little pure-blood wizard that had grew, grew up seeing magical creatures. Like, this is going to scare anybody. Especially Hermione, who hasn't even seen many magical creatures at all at this point. So this scene in the movie is pretty memorable. They're, it's a really good scene. And basically, Ron and Harry, they run into the bathroom and they see the troll going after Hermione. And here in the book, they try to confuse the troll. Hermione is just frozen in terror. And eventually, Harry just kind of runs and jumps onto the troll, sticks his wand in the troll's nose. The troll starts flailing, and suddenly, Ron is able to perform the spell. And he says, when Guardian Leviosa with the swish and flick, and the club flies out of the troll's hand and hits him in the head, and it knocks him out. So at this point, McGonagall, Snape, and Quirrell come running in. McGonagall is very angry, and she asks why they're not in their dormitory. And Quirrell, of course, is still acting. Remember, he's, his stuttering, terrified demeanor is all an act. So he comes in still, like, acting all scared. And Professor McGonagall tells them that they're very lucky they weren't killed. Because trolls are dangerous. Many magical creatures are dangerous. But in their first years, they've only been at Hogwarts for two months. Harry and Hermione just found out they were magical, like, a few months, like two months ago, three months ago. So this is very insane that they weren't killed. And Hermione starts to give her explanation. She says that Harry and Ron were looking for her, which was true. But she lies and says that she went looking for the troll and thought that she could handle it because she had read about trolls. And she also tells the teachers that Harry did stick his wand up the troll's nose and that Ron knocked it out with the club. And Harry and Ron are right away there shocked that she lied to the teachers because Hermione is all about the rules and being bossy. And McGonagall tells her that it was really foolish of her. And she takes away five points. I thought that was kind of strange. Like, only five points? I mean, of course, it's all a little bit subjective because it's teacher to teacher. If it was Snape and he was taking the points away from them, it probably would have been like 50 or something like that. But Hermione only gets five points taken away from Gryffindor. And Harry and Ron each earn five for this so-called victory. So really... Gryffindor earns five points that day. 
even though Harry and Ron each earned five points, since Hermione lost the five points, it balances out to just five. Professor McGonagall also tells them that Professor Dumbledore will be informed about all of this. And it makes me wonder, where was Dumbledore during all of this? I'm not really sure. Something else that is a little bit of a, I guess it kind of seems like an inconsistency, is that Dumbledore tells, of course, he tells all the prefects, take the schools back to your dormitories, to your common rooms and all that, right? But the troll, Quirrell said that the troll was in the dungeon. Obviously, we know that Amu didn't stay in the dungeon. However, what if it had stayed in the dungeons? The Slytherins' common room is in the dungeons. That's where their dormitories are. So it might be that the author didn't know that she wanted the Slytherin common room location to be in the dungeons yet. Um, we, we don't know that until I think it's the uh, next book, actually, in the Chamber of Secrets, where we find out that their common room is located in the dungeon. But it might be an inconsistency or it might be something that she just didn't think of until later on. So Hermione at this point had already left the bathroom and was uh, walking back to the common room. And as Ron and Harry leave the bathroom, Ron actually thinks they should have gotten more points, especially because um, she took off Hermione's points. They really only earned five. And, but he also does say, good of her to get us out of trouble like that. Mind you, we did save her. And then Harry reminds him she might not have needed saving if we hadn't locked the thing in with her. And so eventually they do get into the common room. And the Gryffindor common room is located in a tower in Gryffindor Tower. So the common room is actually super noisy right now. Everyone's still eating their dinner because the food had been sent up since they had to kind of evacuate the Great Hall. And Hermione actually stood alone by the door. She was waiting for them. And... They all kind of say thanks, and then they hurry off to go get their plates and finish their dinner. And I really love this quote. But from that moment on, Hermione Granger became their friend. There are some things you can't share without ending up liking each other. And knocking out a 12-foot mountain troll is one of them. And that quote is the last line of the chapter. And so I did have a few questions ahead of time that my listener Nilda answered for this chapter. And so one of them that I had was, do you agree with Ron that him and Harry deserve more than 10 points total for knocking the troll out? Especially since Hermione lost five points, Gryffindor really only gained five. And how many points would you have taken and awarded? And she actually said that she thinks the point situation was fine. And if she were the trio, she would be happy to still be unharmed and alive. And it's true. And Ron kind of should take that more into consideration. But, you know, he's competitive. He wants to win the House Cup. Another question I had was, why do you think Hermione lied? She was the last, quote, the last person to do anything against the rules. And do you think that it was her gratefulness that the boys came to look for her when they realized she was in danger? And Nilda said that she does think she was grateful, but Hermione is also very smart and quick thinking, and that she probably really quickly figured out that she wouldn't be expelled, but the boys, it was possible that the boys would be expelled. And I never thought about that before. I think that's a really great take on it because Hermione is quick thinking, and Harry and Ron probably didn't really think about being expelled, but Ron is the one that kind of caused her to be in the bathroom all day crying because of what he had said about her. So I think that is a really good 
take on it that she probably did think really quickly and that probably did cross her mind that oh these boys might be expelled because they didn't maybe she was thinking that the teachers would have been like you should have came and got a teacher right away or something like that but you know Hermione lied for them and it helped them just another example of Hermione just saving them and them thanking her and rightfully so and then my last I'm not really a question, but opinion that I had was that I love the line from that moment on, Hermione Granger became their friend. And Linda said that she does too. And she really likes that she waited for them back at the dormitory, that Hermione is one of her favorite characters. And I like that too, because Hermione easily could have just kind of been like, oh, I'm just going to get my food now, kind of avoid them, or maybe just come up to them later. But no, she waited for them and wanted to let them know that she was appreciative of what they did. And they were too of her lying for them. Another really fun chapter. I think it's, once again, it's cool that it's, the chapter is called Halloween. It takes place on Halloween and all that. And it's the first episode of October for me. So that's cool. But one thing I also want to mention is that this is the anniversary of Harry's parents' death. So Voldemort killed Lily and James Potter on Halloween when Harry was one years old. Now he's 11. So 10 year anniversary of their death. Not mentioned in the chapter, but it is common knowledge in the Harry Potter canon. And with that being said, make sure you read chapter 11 of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, Quidditch, because that episode will be coming out next week. And I just want to thank everybody so far for the support and for listening and subscribing. Make sure to leave a review on whichever platform you listen from. I'm on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, Radio Public, Pocket Casts, and Breaker. My email is theirsislytherinpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to leave me a question, email, whatever you want to do. My Twitter is at SlytherinPod. Facebook page is the Aris of Slytherin Podcast. And on the Anchor link, you can donate to this podcast. A monthly fee, it'd be small. You can choose it. It helps me to keep the podcast running. And you can also leave me a voicemail. And through there, you're able to probably about a minute long you can just kind of leave questions theories opinions anything like that and i can even play it on the podcast that's the end of this week's episode thank you for listening to the heiress of slytherin i'm Mikaela. bye